0: Welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer Podcast. I'm Stephen McGregor. This is episode 26, Leadership Development in Times of Crisis. Well, what can I say, eh? Um, It's a new world out there. And it's, um, you know, it's interesting. This is the final uh, episode in this Q1 theme of wellbeing and professional services. Um, I'm joined in this episode with Catherine Semler, uh, who's a friend I've known for a long time. She's the Head of Leadership Development, Iberia, at Corn Ferry. Uh, So we started with Deloitte, uh, and then we went on to EY, and now we are finishing with Corn Ferry, so three firms within the professional services domain. And just reflecting on the introductions for each of these episodes, you know, I I mentioned corona uh, crisis in each of them, Uh, but just still seemed very distant, right? And I guess that's what happens when there's this kind of fast-moving train and all of a sudden it's just, it's all over you, right? So I'm sure that if you're listening uh, in wherever you are in the world right now, you're you're feeling the effects of this crisis. Um, For me personally, you know, third week of uh, quarantine here in Barcelona, but making the most of it, you know, I mean, it's a real privilege actually to spend... So more time with the family, um, you know, homeschooling for my five-year-old son and even just watching him learning to to read and write, you know, some of these things that I would normally see. Um, We have a new Old English sheepdog puppy. If you've listened to my podcasts for a while now, you know that we kind of went through a tough time when our previous um, uh, Harry the sheepdog, she passed away just before Christmas, year before last And we had a year then without, you know, having a dog at home and and grieving. It was a very tough time for us, you know, with Harry making such an impact on different programs that we've had in the Leadership Academy of Barcelona over the years and even mentioned so many times in all of the sessions that I do on the habit hacks and and things like that. But we have a new addition to the family and uh, same breeder, so a relative actually of Harry and her name is Teddy and she's uh, terrorizing us. <laughs> it's interesting that, you know, we're in this kind of self-isolation and, and puppy training at the same time, and I'm actually just off a, a webinar, company-wide webinar with, with Arla Foods, uh, which I'll talk about in a few moments, and I could just hear my wife in the back of the house dealing with a barking dog and cleaning up. P and poo and all these different things right so I'm sure that many of you have experiences during this strange time but you know it's also an opportunity right and I've talked a lot about this and the first week or two of the real crisis holding in Europe you know Italy affected really bad and obviously Spain uh, as well um, you know a lot of cancellations of programs and just trying to Keep calm and, and and keep working. And then all of a sudden, a lot of requests came in to us, which I think are themes that you know we are we are, are long term expertise in in terms of health, well being, resilience, uh, habits at home. And and we found ourselves very busy in the past uh, week or two now responding to to these requests and delivering a lot of online. Uh, virtual webinars and executive team meetings and and things like that, right? So I'm, I'm just off of uh, another session with Arla, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, we did a couple of sessions last week uh, on, on uh, resilience and leading self from home. And then this morning's session was on purpose, meaning and mindful behaviour. Uh, and just a lot of the things that we we're talking about is a lot of value that's coming from this Crisis, you know, and I don't want to underplay this. For a lot of people, there'll be a lot of sickness and tragedy and, and and death for a lot of people. And you know, I'm personally worried for elderly parent in 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 Scotland who's far away, and you can't affect that in any way. Um, and it's out with your control. And even my wife, who has asthma, and just thinking about you know the the, the very darker reality that could happen, but. You can't control that, and I think you have to just think on the positive side and and the time that you're getting to spend with family and the time that we're all having to reset, and pause, and really think about what we're doing in this world and in our own daily lives and be more mindful of behaviour and you know even appreciating myself the quiet around my apartment in Barcelona and you know, hearing birdsong a lot more loudly the last couple of weeks with with hardly any traffic on the roads, and then reading stories about the cleaner waters in Venice and reduction in pollution around the world and all these things, right? So it's a crisis of unprecedented proportions, of course, and a lot of tragedy still to come, but I think uh, we can look at the more brighter, positive side of things as well on a societal level, on an organisational level, and on a personal level with ourselves and with our families. So I hope all is well with you uh, wherever you are in the world and and, and you get through this and maybe you look back in this period as a time where you could grow in certain areas, okay? Um, So to this episode uh, with Catherine, uh, who I've known for 10 years or so. Uh, We first met at ESA Business School where she was a custom programs director, and I was taking my first very nervous steps into delivering the sustaining Executive Performance Programme at ESA. Uh, and she was a great help and ally at that time, and, and we co-created a lot of different things together, and we actually wrote a paper. Um, I'll try and make this available on the website of the lab also. It was published in the Journal of Management Development, and it was our first thoughts in many ways of of the about the sustaining Executive Performance Programme and how that can contribute to management development and a lot of the programmes that we were running at the time with clients like Rabble Bank and uh, Oracle uh, and, 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 and people like that, you know. Uh, she then moved on to Telefonica and uh, we worked again there at Telefonica, right, with Rory Simpson and we did a lot of programs together there and in the last couple of years she's moved to Corn Ferry. So I thought this was just the perfect opportunity to talk to Catherine um, on her experiences in professional services. She's the Head of Leadership Development Iberia at Corn Ferry uh, and she has a very keen interest and experience in well-being. So I thought this was a perfect way to finish this little mini-series, these three episodes on looking at well-being in professional services and we talk about, you know, the changes in, in well-being uh, the last few years and even looking at the, the difference between a business school and a large multinational telco sector. And then now in professional services, we talk a little bit about the culture at Corn Ferry and her own experiences and her own reality, which may find that well-being is a little bit more squeezed. And of course, we, we talk about um, Corona. and And this was in the first couple of days of the lockdown in Spain before a lot of the the, you know the real um, scary numbers were coming out and the number of cases and deaths particularly in Madrid and uh, even before the UK was on lockdown right so even now a couple of weeks further down um, uh, yeah but 10 days since since we recorded this then you know changes again and, and, and so it puts a lot of the comments that we made into another light, but I think there's, again, there's things that we can learn from the extreme case of professional services and the extreme case of us being in crisis mode, right, and and what we can think about in terms of leadership development and especially the role of well-being, okay, so I hope you enjoy this episode, which is the last in this little series, Uh, we're still thinking about what we're going to do in Q2, even if anyone wants to talk to me in a virtual (laughs) sense, We're thinking about a couple of different themes, um, possibly well-being in the built environment, since we are confined, many of us, to our homes and the role that buildings have in well-being. I think that's that's probably up there, so I have a few ideas on that for the next theme, the next three episodes in Q2. Um, but as ever, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Please get in touch if you get any comments um, or you have any ideas about how we can move this podcast Forward, um, use this time, this tough time, um, and I hope, as ever, uh, that you are keeping well. And bye for now. Keep well, amigos. Ciao. Bye bye. So, hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer Podcast.
1: Hi, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Delighted.
0: So, um, this is a special episode, I guess. You know, we're both in Barcelona, but we're doing this, um, it's not face-to-face with with the obvious crisis that is going on at the moment. And I, you know, I don't know, I'm a little bit saturated with all the news on corona, and I'm sure we'll get to that as as we get through. Um, but let's start on the, the kind of theme that we have here in the, uh, in, the, in the podcast, the last couple of episodes, which is well-being and professional services. I mean you've been working in professional services now for the past few years and uh but you have a long kind of history let's say in in well-being and, and leadership development you know they're not the most comfortable of of bedfellows let's say mm-hmm. um do you have any initial reflections on how those fit together and with your time in corn ferry the last couple of years
1: yeah look i think um i think the answer is a little bit different internally than externally so if we're talking internally about working in professional services you know, the, the life of a consultant um, is uh, stereotypically a person who, who probably travels a lot, spends long hours uh, working sometimes on site for clients. It's a little bit different in the leadership development space, which is the, which is the space that I occupy. But look, I think there are, some, there are some really good things in today's world about being able to consult and to work with clients in that way, right? So, so consulting is very self-paced, very self-driven. Um, and yes, uh, you know I think a lot of consultants are at the mercy of their clients, so to speak, but we live in a world that's more and more health conscious and nobody's gonna respect your hours if you don't respect your own hours. Uh, and, and I think that extends to things like food intake, sleep habits, family time, all of that. So, so while it is a, a, a more tumultuous life, I think, than, than maybe people who go to the same office every day, uh, I think we have great opportunities to, to to put our own limits on that as well. So, so from an internal perspective, and and the business of being a consultant, uh, I think that would be my reflection.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting um, kind of contrast, right? Um, and I think you know, as as you know, I, I've known you for um, yeah, maybe ten years or so, um, and I know that you take care of your own well-being. So maybe the next question that fits onto that. Uh, I, is how has your own well-being changed mm-hmm. in the last 10 years, right? So you've moved from uh, the business school world to working in a big multinational and, and now in, in professional services and consulting. Um, so what, what's, what's been happening to you in those, in those years?
1: Yeah, so look, I think the, the most dramatic change in my life has been the travel. Um, so I travel at least 50% of the time. Um, and, and then there are peaks and valleys in that. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't match up to two weeks a month, right? It actually becomes, you know, sometimes I'm on the road for most of the time for six weeks, and then I'll have um, two or three weeks of, of, of more, more homeworking. So it's really about being able to change pace for me. So to keep up with that, I do have a rule that if I take my running gear, I have to use it. Um, and so I think about that quite carefully. It takes up a lot of space in my suitcase. Um, so, and, and generally if I go somewhere for more than one night, I take it. And even sometimes when I, when I only go for, for one night, I take it. But playing that little game with myself of, you know, really, uh, not, not being very accepting, uh, unless something unexpected happens. If I, if I take my gear, I don't, I don't use it. But yeah, so, so what's changed most dramatically is the travel and, um, and, and being able to completely change my expectations of myself, uh, of my time, and, and particularly of fitness. I think Food and sleep are a little bit easier to manage. At least they are for me. But the exercise changes a lot when I'm on the road from when I'm at home. And I, uh, I, I just get used to that, that complete change in, uh, in environment and, and what can and can't be done.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as you say, expectations are interesting, you know, and we always think about how we manage expectations in an external sense, right, with your team or mm-hmm. um, the organization as a, as a whole, and especially in times like this where everyone is now, you know, predominantly working from home. But managing expectations for yourself, I think, is another interesting thing, right? And I guess you just had to construct a new baseline for yourself with the new kind of reality for you, right, in terms of travel. Um, and I think another thing there, it's not just the travel, right? It's the kind of maybe the lack of routine or structure. Mm-hmm. As you say, you go through peaks and, and troughs, and, and and it's very much the same as, as my own real, reality as well. But I think another thing as well, what this tells us is, you know, I was reading online, uh, and it was a connection on, on LinkedIn, uh, a, a consultant from another professional services firm, and he was talking about how he really does miss the travel, right? Just the actual, Mm. you know, of course course it can be heavy and it can be excessive, but, you know, we're in a very privileged position. We get to see the world. We engage with people uh, in different countries and different cultures, which Mm -hmm. builds empathy. You just have a broader view. You know, we're both, I guess, people who, you know, from different, um, you know, born in different countries, living in Spain for many years, and even the, the simple fact of speaking a different language, builds empathy that in your research shows this so i think we can see here that maybe well-being there's different facets to that right and the richness of life and learning Mm -hmm. opportunities which is is being highlighted right now when we are when we're having to work from home and stuff and and in a way i was thinking that you know professional services does it get a bad rep in terms of uh being That maybe isn't fair of course excessive hours but there's so many other good things that you get within that sector which is quite unique right as long as you can manage your ex- own expectations have your own coping mechanisms and then maybe you can you can thrive within that you know
1: yeah i totally agree and i think i think in a way it does have a bad rep i i, I work with a lot of leaders um who who are in in you know they're not in professional services right? by definition they're in other companies and in other industries and, um, and one of the things we work on with top-of-the-house leaders is balance. So balance is one of the most important drivers that, that we see in, in these top, top executives. And, you know, as you know from, from, from the work that you've done and that we've done a little bit together, you know, back in, when I was in, in, in my business school days. But um, resilience is, is really, really important to develop. Uh, and and for leaders to develop, and some of them have it innately, and some of them don't. And so that's one of the things that I see coming up most often externally um, in terms of the work that we do that we do with leaders. Is there's a lot of talk about how are you going to sustain yourself, and and I think that applies to me too. So to your question, what are you know what are my coping mechanisms, and 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 you know does 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 consulting have a bad reputation? I think balance is key. It happens to be something that I naturally. So I will almost never work into the night or, um, you know, working incredibly long hours. I just have this natural switch in me that goes off and I need to do something else. I get my best ideas when I'm not obsessing about what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, and so getting out and going for a walk or just getting up and getting a glass of water or having a meal with my family will, will help me to do better work. Um, in the in the long run, so um, but yeah, so those are some of the ways that I keep myself balanced, and and that I think is available to us. I was also reflecting as I was hearing you um, ask the question. I was thinking, you know, the world has changed so much. So I can remember when I when I first um, started living and working in Barcelona in the 90s, uh, it was it was quite uncommon to see people out running in the streets. Or, or, and even as a woman, you know, the, it almost felt unsafe to go and run up on, uh, you know, outside of the uh, outside of the most concentrated part of the city, places that were a little bit more solitary. And that has changed so much. Um, there's such a culture of exercise, and it's, it's accepted. You're no longer a weirdo if you're if you're out <laughs> exercising. And I think that helps a lot to kind of keep in front of mind and to also feel like. You know, maybe I'm not running with someone or walking with someone, but there are people out there doing the same thing that I am, and so it makes it feel more like it's part of life.
0: No, that, that's interesting. Just when you say that, and, and I'm sure you've had the same experience when you're traveling around the world. You know, you can feel when you're out for a run, perhaps, and and we're both runners for many years. You can feel that that's that absolutely normal thing to do in some parts of the world, and. And in other parts of the world, people look at you as if you've got two heads, you know? It's like, you know, you're doing this for fun. You're doing this for leisure, right? I mean, it's, it's, it kind of depends where you are. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting when you're talking about these things that you know make your se- it makes you work, it makes you retain balance, then I'm, I'm sure that you can bring this in the leadership development work that you do with, with some of your clients and, and bring that to them in order to improve uh, their their balance and resilience and 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 especially in these times you know the last few days i've been logging into a lot of webinars which are being offered with different um uh, institutions uh, and a lot of the themes are you know of course working from home virtual work but a lot of the other things like leadership and crisis um mm-hmm. build, building resilience and i'm sure that I don't know, maybe this is keeping you busy in corn Ferry the last week or two, right? But I guess this is what this is what you normally do, right? It's part of leadership development the importance of resilience. And, and you know, Corona is one crisis, but in many ways, there's always something that could happen to leaders today, right? Because of this VUCA reality that we're living in. And of course, this is something that we're all experiencing at the same time and it is unprecedented. But in many ways, I don't know, the leadership development work that you do with clients, you're trying to prepare them for something like this, no?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I I think you're right that because we're all in this together right now, it's starting a lot of conversations, uh, a lot of collective conversations, but absolutely, they echo a lot of the conversations that we have or that I have with leaders all the time. Um, And I'm, I'm just absolutely convinced that people learn better when they're healthy, when they're rested, when they're eating well, when they're moving regularly. Um, you know, we, you and I know that from the work that we've done together, right? The research on when people are, are, are getting up and walking around, they're actually circulating their blood and more likely, to, more likely to learn stuff. But I also think the inverse of that is true. So people are healthier when they are learning. Um, when people are learning, they're more positive, they're more engaged. Um, they're more likely to be creative, to think of new ideas, to have, um, you know, to have a, a, and to connect with others as well. They're more likely to pick up the phone or, or get on a call and say, hey, you know, I've had this new idea. Should we try this? Um, so so when, people, um, when people are learning, I think they tend to be mentally and physically healthier as well. So I think it works both ways. And, um, uh, and, and yeah, and I see that I see that coming up uh, a lot in, in leadership development, both in group development. So I think that's quite obvious when you get a group of people together and you're doing, uh, and you're doing group learning, but also individually, when people are going through a coaching process or, or having, uh, you know, some small group learning, uh, or anything like that, even if it's virtual, I think it, uh that promotes health as well.
0: No, that's interesting, and, and again, I, I guess that comes back to a previous point that we raised on the different facets of well-being, and even in my own journey. You know, since I, I've been working in this area, right, and as you say, we, we've worked together in different parts. You know, first of all, ESE Business School in Barcelona, and then at Te- and then at Telefonica. And I guess at the start, I was guilty of making well-being too narrow right you know I was thinking about health and well-being and because of my background I was looking at the physical part of that which is of course important but you know it's not for everyone right and then but over time I've really started to really broaden that out in in my mind and as you say learning itself is a big part of well-being it's a big part of what makes us human and what makes us um, happy and become more of our human selves, right? And, and I tried to, you know, when, when the Chief Wellbeing Officer book um, came out, which I wrote together with Rory Simpson, um, who of course you know is Chief Learning Officer still at Telefonica, and, and tried to bring a lot of those aspects in, right? And a lot of the work that you did with Rory as well, right? That in terms of how learning contributes um, to, to wellbeing. You know, with the work that you do with leaders and clients in Corn Ferry, do, do you find, is there a particular trigger point for a leader if you're trying to look at their leadership capability, let's say, or style, um, do you try and look for what that trigger might be in terms of well-being? How, how does the process go?
1: Um, so, look, I think uh, what we know across the board from 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 research is that leaders who are more broad in their thinking, so who have a tendency to understand the big picture and not get too obsessed with the details, and um, who, who are more open to learning, uh, who are more comfortable with ambiguity. So all of those kind of broad characteristics tend to, uh, tend to be more successful at a, at a top leadership level. And, and so you can start to see the link between, you know, someone who's, who relies, and, and it doesn't mean that people who have a tendency towards breadth and expertise can't be great leaders. They can but at a, at a higher toll probably to their energy, right? So it takes them a lot more energy to, 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 to live in a world and work in a world um, that is ambiguous and complex and, and, and changing all the time. Um, so, so I think what you see is that those, those broad-minded uh, leaders will also naturally have a tendency towards probably a few more habits that, that lead to well-being. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that that you highlight in the book as well. so you know you talk about examples of of leaders who are uh, not only great leaders in their field but also leaders in terms of uh, in, in terms of setting an example um, for 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 people to live and, and, and work in a, in a healthier way so yeah i see I definitely see a correlation between um, between those broad minded tendencies and 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 a propensity towards Thinking about you know what do I need to eat, how much do I need to sleep, um, and and also the, the the mental well-being or or the mental health that that you were referring to, uh, I think is a part of that as well. And and in fact, you mentioned coronavirus and the situation that we're all in now. I've seen a lot of people reach out um, in the past couple of weeks on you know how are we going to help people to stay mentally balanced, not just physically, um, but but attend to their to their mental wellness when, you know, we're living in a situation that's so uncertain, people are confined to their homes. You know, they're often in a, in a small space with, uh, some, you know, lots of family members, including little family, <laughs> and having to attend to lots of different things at once. And that can get challenging, right? So, so we've seen a link
0: here. Absolutely. Um, what other changes have you seen, right? So you're talking here, the importance of well um, which maybe wasn't always the case with leaders. The leaders have to be very broad in their treatment of issues and deal with ambiguity. And even right now, you know, thinking about even issues of anxiety and stress perhaps in their team and how they can take care of, of, of their team. Um, even some other books that I'm reading just now, uh, one on the importance of emotions at work. And, and I think that's one of the changes that we're seeing, right? You know, when you're talking about exhaustion, of, of leaders in, in one of your previous um, points. I think that's another factor in, in terms of emotions, right? Because I, what I think, you know, we used to have this very professional persona that we'd take to work and then mm. we'd be someone completely different at home. And I think now there's a lot more authenticity about being the same person at home and work because it's less tiring when you've got more of alignment, right? Between your home and your, and your professional self. So, you know that fits within a lot of the psychological safety work that 's coming out, you know sharing emotions, mm-hmm. maybe not maybe not too much, but you know that 's mm-hmm. something that i 've seen or I, I think i 'm picking up on. any other differences or changes that you 're seeing in leaders who can really thrive in this new um, age
1: mm. yeah that 's a great question. I think the emotional piece and the emotional piece and the authenticity are important and and, uh you know in in some ways thank goodness that we can be more authentic and maybe bring our emotions and also acknowledge the emotions of others in the in the workplace a little bit more simply because let's face it almost nobody works nine to five anymore right so maybe it was easier you know however many years ago to to come to work from nine to five you know you put on your game face and then you get to go home. But now when we have people uh, you know, maybe they're coming into the office, but maybe they're not. And even if they're not, they're usually connecting again. We're always on, always connected. And so, imagine a world in which, you know, we're pretty much connected to work twenty four seven, and we can't be ourselves because that's not um, that's not accepted in the in the professional arena. I think that would really be uh, just too much too much challenge and too much pressure. So, thank goodness that we can be ourselves and and uh, a little bit more and and bring our emotions into it. But and then I think what we see in leaders who do bring their authentic selves to their leadership is that they also open up that door for those who, for those who work for them, right? So there's a there's a much more open communication and uh, and, and an open open dialogue that acknowledges the fact that people are human um, and they have lives and they have emotions and they have well being needs as well as uh, as well as professional. Professional responsibilities, so I think it uh, it works
0: both ways. What are you seeing in, internally? If you can just go back to there, just um, uh, briefly mm-hmm. in Corn Ferry. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know; it's a sensitive question, but in terms of um, balance and resilience and well-being with your mm-hmm. colleague, and any comments there, if you're able to to respond to that.
1: Absolutely. So, look, I think again you know the 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 downside to to this kind of a life is that um, you know maybe and not all of us, but some of us are are away from home a little bit more than we 'd like to be. Um, the upside of that is that you 're very much master of your own universe, um, so when i 'm not traveling, I often work from home, and that means that I have all the flexibility that I need, and even if I am in the office, I still have a lot of flexibility so Working in professional services is often a little bit like having your own business, but working in a fantastic network of people who are great at what they do. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for, for sharing, for reaching out to others, to being part of a community, which I think is important for, for well-being, but also for being in control of your own day. You know? And it is day-to-day. Like we said in the beginning, my weeks are very different one from another, right? If I'm off traveling and delivering programs, That's very different if I have a week uh, where I'm home and I'm working from home and I have my home office and um, decisions that I make about how I live my life are not that different. Um, The the timing of it might be different, but but I I still get to make decisions about my wellness that I think are, are important. And I really value that. So working in professional services, I really value the independence and the control over my destiny, so to speak.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. I mean, in the a couple of episodes ago, we were talking with Artie and Deloitte. I raised the point that, um, you know, I was interested in this theme of, of well-being and professional services because, in a way, professional services is an example of, let's say, an extreme user if we think about design thinking theory. Mm. right, You look at uh, a part of the population that has these extreme needs, and if you can innovate or, or satisfy Needs within that extreme area, then you can innovate and find solutions to to other places, right? So things that professional services are famously known for, lots of travel, long hours, client engagements, and and this lack of routine. You know, mm-hmm. if you can solve for that, then you can then apply this to to other areas. And in many ways, part part of what that says as well is that it's not just the extreme nature, but extreme uh, environments their experience before it becomes the norm in the rest of the population, right? So a lot of the things that you're saying in terms of having that, you know, being master of your own destiny, having that autonomy and that responsibility, in many ways that kind of portfolio living and just Mm -hmm. day-to-day dealing with a little bit of ambiguity yourself, maybe that's the kind of thing that we're all going to have as a professional class moving into the future, right? And even with the crisis Mm -hmm. of Corona, In many ways, that's giving us all a a taste of that, right? That all of a sudden, we don't have the kind of day-to-day security of you go to the office, you're checking in with your boss and you're, you know, depending on the level that you're at in an organization, you're just, you know, you're you're working through things yourself or you're just doing things that your boss tells you to do. All Mm -hmm. of a sudden, millions of people around the world are at home and they're kind of left to their own devices. So... Everyone is kind of consultants. Consul- I don't know if it's, it's too, too much to say that everyone, all of a sudden, is consultants. But yeah. it's op- it's opening a window into a lot of these little pain points, let's say, but which you then eventually thrive. That maybe um, you guys are kind of well known for. I don't know. A bit of a bit of a kind of blurb there, but um, no, absolutely. maybe absolutely. W-
1: I love that, Stephen, because. Um you know, we are all consultants right now. We're all we're we're all on our own. We're 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 trying to make this work. We're connecting with each other, so we're in a network. But but yeah, and and what that made me think of is the discipline that it takes. So it takes a lot of discipline to to run your own business, and it takes a lot of discipline, I, I think, to to be a consultant and kind of be that person. You know, you're kind of you you've got your little um, your little patch that you're cultivating. Um, and you have to really keep on it, and you have to have that discipline to work and to um, and to show up for your clients. And that's a little bit what everybody's going through now. And so it's that same discipline, I think, that's that's required to do our job, our professional job, um, that helps us uh, when it comes to well-being. Because I think well-being is also a matter of discipline. So, and I'll give you an example. I I, I walk. Well, luckily I walk, so I walk through a lot of airports. So the good news there is you get a lot of steps walking through airports. <laughs> um, but, but secondly, you know, then, so what happens if I'm walking through an airport and I'm, and I'm hungry? Depending on where I am in the world, um, the options might be, might be quite different, right? So some airports now, you have a lot of healthy options. Other airports, there's still nothing but junk food. Um, and so, having the discipline of, of carrying a little bit of fruit with me or or some nuts every time I, every time I go to a, a coffee shop and and get one of these lovely coffees, I make sure to pick up a bag of dried fruit and 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 nuts because you never know and so just having the discipline to think about that and to be able to make those choices and not um I, I really honestly don't believe in the in the typical professional who says, "Yeah, you know well i can't." you know, I can't eat well because I, because I travel a lot. I don't think that's true anymore. I think it's up to our own discipline.
0: Absolutely. And, and you're right, you know, that discipline we require uh, at home now as well, right? You're, um, and many people have the same experience of, you know, family members being all together. So how can you mm-hmm. remain disciplined in terms of, you know, getting work done? Um, mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just hearing my, as we're recording right now, I'm hearing my 12-week-old old um, old English uh, sheepdog puppy just scratching at the door. So that's (laughs) something, you know, just getting used to stuff like this. And then maybe my five-year-old is going to walk in in a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. So, And and, and I saw something on Twitter last week. It was funny. It was one of these memes, and it was a Brad Pitt um, compilation. And if you've ever seen a lot of Brad Pitt movies, he's always eating in the scenes. (laughs) And it was a compilation of all these clips of Brad Pitt eating snacks. And the tweet was... Uh, me eating all of my Corona snacks in the first night. You know, everyone went out and got lots of shopping in. And we did that. We you know last Thursday before the schools closed in Barcelona. My wife and I went to the supermarket, got like a three-week shop. And then what mm-hmm. happens? All the food is there and you just you just eat it in the first night or the second night. So anyway, that discipline, you know, you you're practicing this, right? You're practicing this at home. So a lot of these things that everyone is going to experience right now, the optimist view would be that we will come out of the crisis in in a better way, right? So, and this is the sure. kind of last last question that, that I had in mind for you, because you can look at this crisis as a real, like, this sucks, and you just kind of, you know, you're going a spiral of anxiety and, and stress. And look, and I know it's very difficult um, for a lot of people out there uh, in terms of their livelihoods are at stake because, they, you know, they can't work um, mm. in, in situations like this with restaurants being closed down or anything else that is reliant on people being on the streets. And and there's a lot of people who have very, you know, tough issues at the moment. But, you know, and, and, and the well-known Chinese character of, of crisis also includes a part of opportunity, right? So what is the opportunity that we have now in these unprecedented times you know, are we going to come out of the other side? Some people say this is the kind of the start of the end, right? We're going to go into a mm-hmm. global recession. The extreme view would be, you know, looting is going to start and all these kind of things and we better run for the hills. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you look at cases of the Venice uh, canals being clear for the first time in yeah. years. I was, I was even reading here in Barcelona uh, i think it's nitrous oxide has decreased 70 percent just in a week because of the, the lowering uh levels of traffic you know is this a time that the planet is saying to us this is a reset button that, that we need right um and we're going to come out of it the other side thinking about other people a little bit more you know i've been video calling my mum every mm-hmm. day um mm-hmm. uh, just to make sure she's okay and that's one of the good things that's come out of it for me. There's other good things as well, right? Um, it's not perfect, but what kind of view do you take? Obviously, the, you know, there's there's positive and negative. But do you have any views on how we're going to come out of this?
1: Mm. Yeah, look, I think those are some some great reflections, and and I do see I do see some some good things coming out of this. And obviously, the environment that we don't have all as many planes flying around and cars driving around. Um, it's it's really going to probably force us to think differently about how we do our work, and um, you know I, I'm a huge I'm a huge um, fan of of face to face learning and getting people together and giving them the opportunity to pause together and reflect, and and maybe this will this will probably force me to, to to reevaluate that as well, but I think. One of the things that we're seeing, so there's the things going virtual, right? And I and I'm absolutely challenging myself and and my colleagues and I are challenging each other to um to come up with options. So how can we get people together virtually and 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 give them a similar experience uh, where they feel connected to each other and they're able to to learn together because there's so much happening there and from learning when people are learning from each other. Um, but then just the way we approach work, right? So, so one of the things we're seeing is it seems to work better uh, when people are working remotely if they work in bursts, um, and also attending to the fact, like you were talking about your um, your your puppy and your five-year-old, um, attending to the fact that people have families and they're working from home, and so you know it seems to be uh, working better for people to say, okay, I'll be on for these three hours, and then I'll be off for a couple of hours, and then I'll be on for another three hours, so that it's almost like interval training, but 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 applied to applied to working right so that's one of the things that that we're seeing in terms of of changes and and how people can avoid getting completely stressed out by trying to by trying to do too many things uh at the same time and and feeling like you're not doing any of them well um so so that's in terms of of habits uh but yeah i think there's there's a lot of rethinking that's going to happen um and just the act of so i I haven't, I haven't gotten to that part yet. I've been really busy since this crisis started. Um, but, but I am looking forward to some reflection time, hopefully at some point, and, um, and, and thinking about how we do things and how we can, uh, how we can turn things around and, and maybe make things more sustainable for ourselves as individuals, but also for, for the world.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And, I, and I, you're right. I think, yeah, I, I hope there'll be a real positive legacy out of this so you know many thanks for your time today Catherine and and wishing you the best of luck in the next weeks of this crisis and 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 in general going forward thank you
1: yeah thank you Stephen it's a pleasure and um I'm glad you're putting these things out to the world I think it's it's a great thing thank you